Dear Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity we've had this week and to go over this, these different techniques and stuff. So help us today to learn how to make some cordage that we need when we're out there. So um, send the Holy Spirit. Help us uh, to retain all this stuff that we need. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I wanted to take just a moment and uh, let you guys know that we do go to different churches if you guys would like and do seminars there as well. Now, <clears throat> I wanted to tell you that there's two different options if you'd like to do that, if you'd like us to come to your church. One of the options is if you want to do it just for your church, then uh, what we'll do is the information that we've had here. But <clears throat> a lot of churches, we offer another little thing in that um, if you guys want to do it for an outreach, then invite the community, then we'll just do the actual wilderness survival series. And uh, I don't do the Ellen White stuff. I do throw some scripture in there on that. And I tell everyone that even if they're not a church group, I tell them, well, if I can't give God a plug, then I don't want to do it. So, <clears throat> so there's two options. And, and uh, the churches so far have decided, well, let's just do it as an outreach because all the stuff that the Adventists want is still there, okay? With the exception of we don't get into uh, so much of the what she tells us about the end time. And uh, so, but we do do that. So if you, if you think your church might be interested, uh, this is the gal here. And uh, see, she does, she does all my scheduling. Uh, I used to do my own scheduling and then I didn't schedule enough for her, time for her. And so I got in trouble. I says, well, I'll tell you what, let's do this the other way and we'll have her do the scheduling and that way if it gets tight, then, well, it wasn't my fault. You know? She was very smart man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Question back here. Okay, the question is, whereabouts in Arkansas? Well, do you guys know where Fayetteville is? It's over on the west side and down a couple counties you'll hit Fayetteville and south of there about 40 minutes is a little town called Brentwood and, uh, and if you turn and go up the mountain a mile and three quarter at the top of the mountain there's a little church up there Larry Smith's the pastor and so that's where we're going to be doing it so I don't know if anybody's familiar with Brentwood. If you close your eyes when you go through, you're going to miss it. Okay, so that's where we're going in Arkansas. So, so today we want to cover some cordage. And uh, you're always going to have something that you're going to need to lash together or tie. Or, you know, even if you break your shoelace, you're going to want to replace that. Okay, we've been talking about using your shoelaces for cordage, which you can do. Um, some guys in a pinch have used their shoelace for, for a bow drill and gotten fire that way, if you got a good shoelace. You know, if it's a wimpy flat one, it probably isn't gonna make it. But, uh, but so we, you know, there's all kinds of things, you know, if you're gonna lash a uh, lean-to together, if you're gonna do a raised bed and a, and a roof over it, you know, you're going to have to have some cordage to do that. And so there's all different kinds, and, and we can't totally exhaust the whole cordage thing today. There are things that we'll cover today that are in the basic, but when we get into advanced, I show other types of cordage that we don't even get a chance to cover today. So Matt here, he's already told me he'd like to get into the advanced stuff. So. And uh, I'm always excited when somebody else is excited about the hobby that I've been excited about for 30 years. So, so anyways, but today we want to do cordage. Now, Ray here, he's going to show us how to make some cordage out of stinging nettle. And uh, he's going to show you one technique that you can use to make small string. Okay, you cannot use the technique he's going to show to make bigger stuff. And so we'll show another technique after he's done, and you can use that technique. Now, when you first look at this, 
You know, a raise isn't too bad, but when you look at what what I'm going to show on mine, and uh, both of us have experienced this, people can't quite wrap their head around it, but then once you finally get it, you're going to go, well, that's easy. Okay. So, so it's not too... Anybody here ever been in one of my seminars? Oh, I've got a few of them. Okay, you guys remember Cordage? Did you... And when you first started out, you go... But then after, oh, I get, oh, this is, yeah, this is easy. So anyways, um, normally at a, a session, we'll go ahead and make some, but today we, this group is so big and such an area, and when we got to be out of here in an hour, there's no way we could get it done, get everything cleaned up, get out of here and for the next one. So we're not going to be able to do that, but if you come to a hands-on or another seminar, then we can get back into that and do that. So, so anyways, Ray here is going to show us how to do stinging nettle. And uh, how many of you, the minute I say stinging nettle and making cordage, you kind of cringe? Yeah. Okay. Good. You know, at least you got the idea that you need to handle this a certain way or, or you're going to pay for it, right? So, so anyways, here's Ray. He's going to show us how to do that. He's over in England. It'd be nice if we could get him to come over here. But his name is Ray Wolf? Ray Mears. Ray Mears. Stinging nettles have been used for cordage just about wherever they grow. Certainly it's something our ancestors used and uh, they're full of very long fibers. With practice and a little bit of confidence, you can quite easily clean a stingy nettle without getting stung, just with your bare hands. It's the old saying of to grasp a nettle, I think, is to, to really be a little bit firm with it. And uh, just clean them off like that. But if you have a lot of nettles to do, it's certainly well worth protecting your hands. And uh, if you didn't have gloves with you, you can cover your hands in mud or clay, and that gives a very surprisingly good protection from the stings. That's how I do it barehanded, and I don't get stung at all by that process. But when you have a lot to do, it is a good idea to wear gloves, just because it speeds the whole process up. Fibers I marked are on the outside of the nettle, and to get at those, the first thing to do is to flatten the nettle. These red nettles here I gathered from the open, they're quite different to the ones you saw me pick in the woods, which were lighter colored green. These red nettles, like this one, are uh, better for fibers, they give stronger fibers. Sometimes you need something to bear down on. Once you flatten the nettle, what I do is I split it open and lay it flat, I'm splitting it. Like that. Now I bend it in the middle so that the pith, which is on the inside, breaks upwards and away from the fibres. Like that. Lay that over my index finger, place my thumb on top, and then pull down. So now you can see the pith coming away from the fibers, and we go both ways. These are the fibers we're after. They're very strong, but they need to be dried before we can make those into cordage. Although, for many purposes, they could be used just as they were. And this is the way that we use the fibres in the programme on Aboriginal Britain to attach the arrowhead. A fibre just as it is like that makes an extremely useful binding. 
good and strong. Today, perhaps somebody gardening, looking for something to tie up some onions or, or tie up a plant in the garden and not having some string to hand, could look in the nettle patch and use a skill from our past. You don't have to make string, you could just put a few fibres together like that, just twist them and use that as an impromptu tie. Completely biodegradable and will grow back. If I was going to make string from these, I would dry these fibres before I made the string because they're going to shrink down an awful lot as they dry. In fact, when these are dry, it'll look just like a few hairs in my hand because they really do shrink down thin. You need a lot of nettles to make cord. But um, anyway, just to show you how, we take a couple of fibres and we twist them together. To make the fibre nice and round, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bend it in, in half, take the midpoint, I'm going to roll on my thigh both of these strands in the same direction at the same time, like this. And at the end of the roll, I clamp them against my thigh so they won't unravel. And then I let go on the left, and you see it start to twist up into cord. And what we do is we just encourage that, give it a little extra twist, like so. And then you move your fingers up to where the strands are parted, pinch it there, and repeat the process. And you can see how we're starting to get string. Now, obviously, eventually, we're going to get to an end because we always reach an end at some point. But, in fact, long before that, because these fibres taper, one of these strands will start to become thinner than its partner. And if we don't add in a new fibre at that point, the thin one will simply wrap around the thick one and we lose all the strength. So what we do is I look now for a strand of the right sort of thickness. And you can see here how they taper. And we lay that alongside the strand which is thinning the most and twist in the new fibre. And we carry on as before. And of course we could make as long a piece of cord as we need or we like or that we have patience to make. What are substitutes for nettles? <coughs> there are a lot of... That's not the one I want. There are a lot of different fibers that you can use. We're going to show some up here on the screen. Um, and I'm always checking stuff, you know. I wonder if that'll work, and so I'll try it out. Some fibers just are not right, and they just crack and fall apart, and so you can't make cords out of them. And then other ones you, you got. There's a lot of them out there that we can do. So... <clears throat> a, lot of, a lot of plants, even in your garden. Yeah, even in your garden. They well. die underneath, like, daylilies. Yeah. Yeah, they make a good cord. We got a whole bunch of them here on the table, and they're all from different types of sources. We got some daylily in there, we got some grass in there, and uh, we also have some tree bark, and we also have some uh, roots, okay, some of the spruce roots that was used extensively, and we talk about those here and let's talk about. So let's go ahead and, and uh, hit this one, and uh, this one kind of gives a pretty good overview, and so we'll look at this one. Okay, I want to talk about cordage. Cordage is little, small twine, purpose size and up to bigger stuff and rope and I even uh, when I taught my son how to do this he went out and got some dune grass and made a, a rope that was about that big around out of dune grass then went ahead and pulled his truck with it so cordage is something that's useful very useful and it's needed in a wilderness survival situation <clears throat> in that 
if you're out there and you want to make something, you know, you've got two shoelaces and, and uh, you can rip off some of your shirt and stuff, but after a while you're going to run out. And uh, so you want to be able to make uh, cordage out of what Mother Nature gives you. <clears throat> so we're going to end up uh, teaching how to go ahead and do a, what we call a reverse twist. And uh, it comes in very handy. It's an easy technique once you catch on. And you do it with all this stuff. And so we can make little tinky tiny stuff. And we can make very large and, you know, ropes like this. And so we want to teach you that and ta also talk about different um, types of fiber that you can get. And uh, so... <clears throat> We use what we call a reverse twist, and the reverse twist is interesting because you're going to have you're going to have uh, two pieces that that you're twisting together. And if I was to take and uh, um, figure out, you know, put a piece on here and actually figure the pressure it took to to actually snap this, and uh, you know, and that's X amount of pressure. And when you twist these two together, you'd think that, okay, well, to do this, it would be twice whatever, what, the one, what the one is. And actually, um, because of the physics here, you're not pulling straight on on the fiber. You're actually pulling around the corner as it's twisted. You'll actually get more than twice what it takes to break one in order to break two of them when they're reverse twisted the proper way. So <clears throat> reverse twist is a very handy thing. And that's what all of our ropes are done with too. So <clears throat> we're going to teach you how to do this. And uh, from the little stuff on up to the big stuff. And what we'll do is we'll show you how to make these little ones here. And the little ones are handy because you got all kinds of little different uses for the little ones. Here we've whipped the ends of a of a rope there. We got them here again. And you can use them for really small to catch more than naive fish, you know, and stuff like that. So little cordage works real well on up to bigger cordage. Um, we got different materials. We're gonna actually teach you on what's what we on raffia grass. Now raffia grass actually comes from Africa. And uh, some of the stuff we have around here that you find in your flower gardens, plus you can find it in the, uh, out in the wild is the daylilies. This is daylily leaf here and uh, makes a really nice cordage. And uh, we'll show you how to do that as well. Um, we uh, talk about nettle and how stinging nettle, and we show you how to go ahead and harvest that as well. And uh, <clears throat> we harvested some, and we talked about how we had to dry it. This is what it looks like once it's dry. And we, uh, we can uh, take this in, and once you dry it down, it shrinks. And what you want to do is go ahead and let this stuff shrink. And when it gets to a shrunken size, then we can go ahead and wet it again, and then it won't shrink anymore. And you want to you wanna work with these when they're wet, because that... Uh, that helps it from cracking. So this is nettle here, and uh, this is what it looks like. Now nettle is very strong cordage. If I was to make a bow drill, that would be one of my choices would be nettle. And uh, very, very strong cord. And that's a good thing there. Nettle is, is excellent for doing that type of stuff. So you can see that this is a multi-fiber here. We got a bunch of strands going into one, and and a bunch of strands into the other, and then we twist those together to make a, a size of a cord. And you can make very large cords that way as well, just grab a bigger handful, twist those together. But you can make multiples or bigger rope other ways as well. And this is just one way here. And uh, this cord here that I made, one of the, one of the my beginnings when I was first starting, and, and you can see that's a pretty nice cord. And this is daylily as well, and it's a multiple strand, so we end up 
working our reverse twist, and we'll show you how to do that here in a little bit. And uh, end up reverse twisting uh, two different sets, and then uh, creating this this cordage like this here, a little smaller piece and a little rope. Um, this right here happens to be a uh, a piece of of uh, husk off the ear of corn, and I tried that, and this makes really strong, it's pretty strong stuff, but the, the problem with this is you're adding in almost constantly, so it's a little, little hard to work with as far as that goes, but, but that's really strong, there's just all kinds of materials, this here is a cattail, and uh, uh, cattail leaves, you can use different sized leaves to get different sized cordage. This right here is a really strong as well. Cattail is pretty good strong stuff. And uh, this is cattail as well. This is a single strand here. It means I put two strands together to make us a, a larger rope. And uh, <coughs> so that works as well. Now, here I took uh, is there daylily leaves here, and I work them in the two strands, and then I put the two strands together. Now, you, <clears throat> when you're doing multiple strands, you'll uh, actually get more of a round look to it if you use an odd number of strands. Here we have two, and it looks kind of rough. I mean, it works, but it looks kind of rough. And then this one here, you'll notice that we have three that are together, and when we put that, you get more of a uniform round type of rope when you're using threes. So odd numbers will give you a better round uh, result on the ends. Then uh, we got this end whipped. We'll show you how to do that as well here. Well, a little clip on that, and I'll show you how to do that. And then these are multiples again in the one. <coughs> now, a lot of your long bladed stuff works um, again if you want really high uh, strength stuff if i really need stuff that was really strong and i didn't have metal then i go to tree bark and we show you how to process the willow and the ash and uh, these here are from ash and uh, they make a very strong rope the ash does ash and willow willow is a little easier to work with than um, the ashes, but um, both of these work pretty good. And you're using the inner bark of that. And so <clears throat> we'll show you how to do tree bark. So check out that clip. And uh, these are also ash here. This is a single strand here. And then these are three into one. And we show you how you can do that too as well. So, so <clears throat> but uh, you know, sometimes you'll use multiple types of uh, cordage on, on a single project. This here is a, is a pump drill that I made. And uh, hold my counterweight here. We've got, this is a, this is a, a daylily leaves there. And uh, we got multiple sizes because we got this size here. And then this is also daylily leaf here on the ends. But uh, then I used the cattail for my actual uh, wrap-up type here. So this is my pump drill that I made. And so, um, you know, when you start looking at making stuff like this, you can see to where, you know, shoelaces are gonna be enough and uh, you need more. So stuff out of mother nature, there's just all kinds of stuff out there. Uh, I don't have on the table here, I don't have uh, in the wintertime, a lot of times you can go and get the, the uh, milkweed and we show you how to find and crush and do that. So, so anyways, these are different cordages that you can make out of Mother Nature stuff. And there's just a slew of stuff out there. I'm always trying stuff. Now, <clears throat> down in the rainforest, when you're down there, you're going to uh, use a lot of vines and that works quite well down there. When you're up here in the, the northern country where I'm at, we don't have the vines, so once in a while you'll run into a grapevine. 
but uh, then there is a, a source that you can use that's just as plentiful and uh, just as uh, versatile as spines. But you're going to find it underground, and that's your spruce roots. And these are spruce root here, and you're going to dig up the, you know, your evergreen roots. And you're going to want to strip that very outside off so that it turns white like that. Because if you leave that on, when that dries on, it'll tend to make this brittle. And uh, then you want to soak these again, uh, a lot of times in boiling water. And uh, the Indians use these extensively. Everything just about that they sewed together, their birch bark canoes and their baskets and their um, pots and stuff was all done with, with spruce root. And so um, those are very, very handy. That's what you use up here in the northern end, just like uh, you would vines down there in the, in the, below the equator on the other side. So. So anyways, we're going to go ahead and set up here, and I'll show you how to actually do these twists. And, uh, and then we'll show you, once you learn how to do the twists, then we'll also show you how to put multiples together. And uh, we'll probably do something to show you that. Well, then we'll have a little clip to show you how to winnow the ends as well. So we'll go ahead and set that up, and uh, then you can take a look at that when we get done here. So Okay, all those samples on the table well, there I do have with me, and so we'll have those out back, so if you guys want to look at them, then uh, we can do that. Um, <clears throat> we talked about the tree bark there for a little bit, and I said that, you know, I use ash and willow, and uh, the problem we've had with the ash trees is the ash borers come through and pretty much destroyed all of our adult trees. And uh, in order to do cordage, you're going to take the young trees to use for cordage. And so <clears throat> I'm not using ash anymore because all those young ones need to grow up in the adult trees. So I'm pretty much going with willow now. But ash can work. You know, if you're in a survival situation, that's all you got. And you really have to have something. Then, you know, um, think Mother Nature, at least you got that. So. So anyways, uh, <clears throat> tree bark, I, uh, hi, Hannah. <laughs> I, uh, I wanted to tell you a little story. Now, you guys are going to be the only ones that appreciate this story. And uh, actually, uh, this is my daughter-in-law here, Anna. And when they were moving, my son and I, we were, we had his, uh, his truck and a trailer all full of stuff and and the trailer had a tarp over it and then we had my vehicle and it was all full and we had about 40 minutes to go to get to where we were going to go and it started to rain and his uh his tarp on the back end was doing this number and his stuff was going to get wet and so i got on the phone right away and i said you know we got to do something about tying that tarp down so that, you know, your stuff doesn't get all wet. So we pulled over to the side of the road, and he says, well, I'll look through my vehicle and my stuff. And so I started looking through mine, and, and both of us looked through everything we had, and we had nothing that we could tie that tarp down with in our vehicles. Well, we're standing beside the road, scratching our head, going, you know, what are we going to do? And there was a whole bunch of grass there that was dead. And so... I just reached down and pulled some up, started twisting, and uh, got a piece of rope about this long, and we used it to tie that tarp down, and it made the 40 miles we had to go. Of course, uh, the tarp was pulling enough that our knot got so tight we couldn't untie it, we had to cut it. But, you know, <clears throat> that's, uh, you know, that's a little story that you guys appreciate. I could tell that to somebody else, and they go, so? <laughs> so... So anyways, uh, you know, the, te the techniques that you learn here, you know, you may not even be in a survival situation, but it comes in handy, you know, and uh, in that situation it did. So, so anyways, I wanted to mention the uh, ash tree. Um, since I've done that, the ash borers have come through, and it's just pretty much devastated everything. You know, they've been trying to keep them out of the UP, and I see the destruction up there, at least in the lower parts. Uh, when you get up higher in the UP, the, the 
winters are cold enough that it kills the grubs off. So at least there's still ash trees up there. You know, maybe after they finally died off here, we can go bring some little ones down and replant here. You know, I still see a, I still see a lot of young ones. And for some reason, they don't hit the young ones, but they do hit the adult ones. And they've pretty much wiped out all of our adult ash trees. I see them once in a while. I'll see a little group, and I'm excited because here's a group that's made it, you know, so far. I mean, they're still out there. So, so anyways, uh, I wanted to mention that with the ash trees. Well, we want to learn what it is here with this reverse twist I kept talking about. And uh, what it ends up doing is, is you end up rolling it up and then you roll the two around each other at the same time. And uh, what that does is the reverse twist. It ends up twisting in such a way and turning in such a way that as it tries to unravel, it unravels against itself. And uh, all modern ropes are done that way too when you look at that. You know, you guys get the hang, hang of this, you'll see modern ropes the same way. And, uh, and again, I mentioned because you know, if you just rolled one up and if you took the pressure, it took the snap one. Because they're going around the corner, it's not straight on. You actually get more power out of it than what you do if it's straight on. And so the reverse twist actually is more than twice the strength of breaking one at a time. So let's take a look at this. Okay, we're going to show you how to do this reverse twist. And uh, one of the easiest fibers to use to learn on is raffia grass. So if you go down to the hobby store, get some raffia grass that works really well. And uh, when you twist these things, we want to twist them just short of the fiber cracking. That's what we want. We want enough pressure so that it's just short of that. So that's a feel that, that you're going to get. And so we don't want to do these dry because then they crack really easy. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and wet these. Now, <clears throat> when you wet stuff, depending on the fiber, uh, the amount of soaking that it takes differs. Now, on this stuff, you know, just 30 seconds, 45 or so, and you got enough. Um, that'll take several minutes. Cattail can take you an hour and a half. And uh, so what you want to do is just uh, soak it until it, it feels limp, okay? And uh, so then uh, then you can go ahead and work with it a lot easier without cracking it. So, so we're going to soak these like this and uh, then we drip them off. And then, now what we're going to do is <clears throat> we're going to twist these two together and at some point we're going to come to an end and then we're going to have to show you how to add in. And uh, so <clears throat> we don't want to add into both ends at the exact same time. And so I offset these so that I have the ends are in different spots. And uh, so <clears throat> then what I do is I start twisting. Now I always twist away from me. Now I'm setting this up so that you can look at it the same way I'm looking at it. And I'm right-handed, so I'm going to use my right hand to twist with, my left hand to hold. And uh, so then what I do is I twist away. And uh, whenever I twist, I twist away. And so I'm going to roll this up a little bit. And I twist it up like this until it starts to get to where it wants to loop. And at that point, I go ahead and let it loop like that. Okay, there's my loop. Now, I work with these, so I want, I want one to go up, and I want one to go down. And the one that goes up, I want that to be on the back side of my loop. So hopefully you can see that. Okay, there's my loop. The one that's up goes to the back. And then what I do is I take, and you, wanna, you don't want to grab on way out. You want to grab on up close. Because you get, you get your tightness that you want a lot easier. So then I'm going to roll it away from me. And then I'm going to pull this one to me. 
And at the same time, I'm going to hook the bottom one with my finger. And these two are going to trade places. So I roll away, and then I pull it to me, and the bottom one becomes the top one, and the top one becomes the bottom one. Okay, and then I just revert, re, redo that process over and over and over again. So I twist away from me, I pull that one to me, I hook the other one with my finger, and the bottom one becomes the top, the top one becomes the bottom. And again, we do it again. Turn away, pull it to you, and top becomes bottom, so on and so forth. And after you learn how to do that, you can do it quite readily. Okay, and I'll do this a few times, and then you'll see how this actually makes cordage. And there you kind of see what we're doing there. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'll go ahead and work this out here till I come to an end, and then we'll uh, go ahead and show you how to add in to a single stranded one. Let me watch you add again. <laughs> okay, let's do it one more time here on the reverse twist. Okay, we're going to show you how to do this reverse twist. And uh, one of the easiest fibers to use to learn on is raffia grass. So if you go down to the hobby store, get some raffia grass, that works really well. And uh, when you twist these things, we want to twist them just short of the fiber cracking. That's what we want. We want enough pressure so that it's just short of that. So that's a feel that, that you're going to get. And so we don't want to do these dry because then they crack really easy. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and wet these. Now, <clears throat> when you wet stuff, depending on the fiber, uh, the amount of soaking that it takes differs. Now, on this stuff, you know, just 30 seconds, 45 or so, and you got enough. Um, that'll take several minutes. Cattail can take you an hour and a half. And uh, so what you want to do is just uh, soak it until it, it feels limp, okay? And uh, so then, uh, then you can go ahead and work with it a lot easier without cracking it. So, so we're going to soak these like this, and uh, then we drip them off. And then, now what we're going to do is <clears throat> we're going to twist these two together, and at some point we're going to come to an end, and then we're going to have to show you how to add in. And uh, so <clears throat> we don't want to add into both ends at the exact same time. And so I offset these so that I have the ends are in different spots. And uh, so <clears throat> then what I do is I start twisting. Now I always twist away from me. Now I'm setting this up so that you can look at it the same way I'm looking at it. And uh, I'm right-handed, so I'm going to use my right hand to twist with, my left hand to hold. And uh, so then what I do is I twist away. And uh, whenever I twist, I twist away. And so I'm going to roll this up a little bit. And I twist it up like this until it starts to get to where it wants to loop. And at that point, I go ahead and let it loop like that. Okay, there's my loop. Now, <clears throat> I work with these. So I, want, I want one to go up. And I want one to go down. And the one that goes up, I want that to be on the back side of my loop. So hopefully you can see that. Okay, there's my loop. The one that's up goes to the back. And then what I do is I take, and you want to, you don't want to grab on way out. You want to grab on up close because you get, you get your tightness that you want a lot easier. So then I'm going to roll it away from me, and then I'm going to pull this one to me, and at the same time I'm going to hook the bottom one with my finger, and these two are going to trade places. So I roll away, and then I pull it to me, and the bottom one becomes the top one, and the top one becomes the bottom one. Okay, and then I just revert, re, redo that process over and over and over again.
So I twist away from me, I pull that one to me, I hook the other one with my finger, and the bottom one becomes the top, the top one becomes the bottom. And again, we do it again. Turn away, pull it to you, and top becomes bottom, so on and so forth. And after you learn how to do that, you can do it quite readily. Okay, and I'll do this a few times, and then you'll see how. What's happening when you twist the one, you're rolling that one up. And then when you pull and turn the other, you're twisting the two together. Okay, that's what you're doing. When you twist the one, that's what you're doing, rolling the one up. And then when you pull them and twist, you're twisting the two together to make the reverse there. So we'll kind of show you a little bit out of the table how that works. So. kind of see what we're doing there. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'll go ahead and work this out here till I come to an end, and then we'll uh, go ahead and show you how to add in to a single-stranded one. Yeah. And we have to have water, and we always make a huge mess, and we thought in the chapel it probably wasn't a good idea. Yeah. But we can demonstrate out there on the table for anybody who wants to stay. Um, between the two of us, we can help people kind yeah. of look at it. Even though we're not going to necessarily have it wet, we can still show you um, the basics. And it's not that hard once you get the rhythm. It's kind of like people who knit and crochet. You can do it without even thinking about it. Yeah. Um, it's just figuring out what you're doing at first. It is kind of it's confusing, yeah. So. Okay, here's how you add a piece in to a single strand. Okay, you can see we got a fairly nice piece of cordage here that's starting out. We come to the end here, and uh, we notice that you know it's not long enough to make as long as we want, so we got to learn how to add a piece in here. Now the idea is you want both of these strands to stay the same size. If one strand gets smaller than the other, the little one will wrap around the big one and you won't get your twist. You only have the big one going out and the other one is corkscrewing around it. And so you want to make sure that they're the same size. So this is my smallest end right now I'm going to add into that. So what I try and do is I try and find a piece that has one about the same size. And uh, this end, you see with two ends here, this end is actually more of the same size of that. So I'm gonna go ahead and add this end in. And I've already wet this piece down, this one's already wet. So what I'm gonna do then to add in, the piece that, that I'm gonna add into, and the piece that I'm adding in, I kinda lay those right next to each other, just like this. Okay, and then what I want to do is kind of twist these together a few turns. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and do my reverse twist for about three or four of the turns, and that'll kind of lock this new one in there. And then I'll go ahead and pull my old one out and keep it outside. And then I'll show you what that looks like later on we come back and trim those off. And so I'm going to continue on. This is my top. I'm going to twist away, pull it to me, and then the back one comes up. Twist away, pull it to me. Twist away, pull it to me. I'll go one, one more here. And okay, now I'm going to take and pull this one out. And then I'm going to continue on with just the new one. And then that goes away from me comes to me, the other one, and I'll do this a few times here. And so then I'll pull this one up, and this one up, and you can see how we've added that in. Now what we do later on is we come back, you know, once we've made it as long as we want, and then we trim these off. You can trim them with a knife, 
that works. One thing you want to be careful is that you don't nick your good cordage. You want to make sure to come in with your knife so that you're not going to nick them. And uh, go ahead and cut those off. Now, if you're going to, uh, uh, if you're worried about nicking them with your knife, a pair of uh, nail clippers works really well. Come in and snip them with that. But <clears throat> that's how you actually add in a piece on a single strand. Now, <clears throat> there are some cordages, such as um, your, if you're going to do a single strand, uh, let's say a cattail. Then when you go to add into that, that gets pretty cumbersome and it get really bulky and heavy. So a lot of times what you have to do there is the one that you're going to add into, you end up tapering that down to a fine point. And then the one you're going to add in, you taper that one to a fine point. And then you put those two together. Now the size is about the same and you twist those together. So you want to taper those down, both of those, fit them in together with the tapers, twist them together, continue on then. And uh, in that case, you're going to want to do more than four on, on a tapered one. You're going to want to go to the end of the taper. And actually, you won't even see them once you do that. You pull the old one out. But, but that's how you add in. And uh, actually, when we trim that, you'll see that it looks pretty good there. And uh, then you just continue on and you make them as long as you have to. So that's how you do a single and uh, makes pretty good cordage. Um, you know, you could use this to hold on a knapsack or something, but, but that's how you add in a single one. You uh, lay the two together, twist them, do three or four uh, with it together and then pull the old one out, keep them out, continue on. So at this point, I would just continue on. Uh, when I get out here, I add one into that, and I can make a really long one, however long I need it. So that's how to do those on a single strand. That, that little tiny string you see there, um, we were doing a seminar in Plymouth. Strings in our seminar, and took it home, and the young man said, um, their teenage son said, well, what are you going to do with that? It's such a little bitty thing. So he told him, he says, well, grab a hold to the end of it. And he did. And he pulled his son off the couch with that little bitty string. So it looks pretty weak, but it's not weak. Yeah, it's <clears throat> pretty awesome. I think we've got enough time we can take a look at multi-strand. That's a little bit easier in that it's more forgiving. You how to do multiple strands. And uh, the way you do multiples is go ahead and get them soaked, pull them together. We're going to do like four strands here. And uh, it isn't as critical to have these offset because <clears throat> it's a little easier to add into multiple strands in that when you come to the end of one, you just add one in. And uh, you just lay it in there and go ahead and and uh, twist them in. We'll show you how to do that in a minute. But, but you want to go ahead and do the same type of thing. You're going to roll up multiples. And like this, you're going to make a loop out of it like we did. Okay. And then I want my, my one that goes up in the back. And then you just continue just like you did with the single strand. Twisting them up like that. On these, sometimes you have to do multiple twists. And again, you want that tight, just short of cracking, and you'll get a feel for that. That's a good thing for giving you a carpal tunnel. But uh, a little, little more cumbersome to work with multiple, but you get a bigger rope when you're done. And so, and again, you can make a really large by grabbing a whole handful of these. Um, there is a difference, though, when you do a whole handful, you'll end up with the rope will be a little bit stronger if you did smaller singles and then add those together than you would out of a multiple like we're doing here. 
but this side here is not bad for multiple hydrogen bonds on this side. And so there's how we're coming together with cordage there on, on that. So now <clears throat> I'll go ahead and work this until we get out near an end of one, and then we'll come right back. Okay, one of the things I did not mention on the video there is you see what this hand is doing when it's twisting and it's turning and the other hand every time I do one of these moves up, moves up, moves up. Okay, so I hold it with this one. Every time I make a twist then I move up and uh, hang on to that. So, so <clears throat> um, over in Africa there are tribes over there that have ravines that they want to cross. Some of them are really, really deep. And uh, every year, they got to replace their bridge. And they make their bridges out of grass. And they'll have a master weaver. And uh, everybody, every family has a certain amount of grass that they have to go collect and get it to the master weaver so that he can weave you know, some of those are that big around, you know, to go clear across that ravine. So, so, uh, <clears throat> so anyway, yeah, if it breaks, <laughs> it's his fault, right? So, <clears throat> anyways, uh, some of that happens. So, I want to give a few minutes here for any questions and answers, and then we can move out to the table with uh, samples. One of the things I did cover here on this table is the sinew. And uh, somehow I've misplaced my sinew samples. <laughs> but sinew is a little different in that you have to pound it in order to get the fibers to separate. And then you can use those once you get them separated. And that's on there. So, so uh, I do have a little bit with me, but I don't have my full gamma to show and tell on the sinew. So any questions? Okay. <clears throat> what you're going to take is when it's green and the very tips start turning brown. That's when you want to harvest cattail. Okay, and one of the things I learned, because I had heard that cattail, you know, it's a rush, and they used to make a lot of stuff out of rush, you know, years ago. And so I had heard this, and so I figured, well, I'll try some cattail. Well, one of the things that I like to do when I'm trying to dry something out is I'll throw it on the dash of my car. And then that sunlight coming in, boy, that just dries things out in a hurry. You do not want to dry cattail in a hurry. Okay, it wrecks the fiber. And uh, so I got it all done, and I soaked it, and I went, uh, thing just fell apart. And I go, well, this isn't any good. And then my wife and I, we were up at the bridge, and you know, we were checking out some of the stuff up there, and I saw a book on cattail and then they had a bunch of people there that were doing old time skills and this one guy had a stool that was really old and the whole bottom was made with cattail and I thought it's got to work How's, what, what am I doing you know it's, I told you I'm still a student myself you know so <clears throat> I think I mentioned to you guys I drive for country life and I'd made a delivery and there was a bunch of cattail right beside the road and it was perfect, you know, the tips and everything. So I went out, grabbed some, and I threw it in the back of my truck. And it was in there for a couple of weeks in the dark. And it just dried slowly. And when I soaked that, oh, that worked really good. You know, so <clears throat> with cattail, you want to make sure those tips are turning brown. Okay, which they're going to do here shortly. Okay, and then you go ahead and harvest those, but then dry them slowly. And, uh, but then when you soak those, you got to soak those for a long time. Um, here's where my wife wants to... <laughs> I just, it's, Usually. it's an adventure going anywhere with them. <laughs> we're in this beautiful Baymont. I think we were up on yeah. the bridge. We're in this beautiful Baymont, and I had gone down to the pool, and I came back up, and I'm crossing near the bathroom, and I'm like, we're We're doing a seminar, we're by the way. We're doing a seminar. And here are all these cattails soaking in the bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> I had to have some show and tell for the next day, and so I brought some of the leaves, and we were soaking them, and she just happened to see it. And 
So then I twisted them together. And so, so anyways, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, you know, cattail works really well. It's a good one. Okay, um, yucca. I don't have any yucca uh, samples here, but yucca is really strong. That's a good strong one. And uh, some things you actually have to pound even. Um, yucca would be one where you could pound um, some of the sisal that they have, you know, in Africa and stuff. You pound that, and it's got a really th uh, stringy fibers inside it, but you have to separate it from all that other stuff, and you do that by pounding. And a lot of them over there make their bowstrings out of that. Uh, they'll pull those five stringy fibers out, and they'll let them dry, and then they'll twist those. So. I've used a wild hemp for a, they have a very good fiber. Hemp, yeah. That's what they make a lot of rope out of, you know, is hemp. So, so any other questions? There's one back here. Raise your hand so I can see. Okay. You know, <clears throat> I, I, I hate to say this, but today's our last day. And so if you have questions about anything else we covered, today's the day. Okay. So your question. Uh, to make a black ash basket, you pound apart the rings of the tree. Now, do you do the same for using the uh, fibers for the rope as well? On, on trees, you said? On the black ash trees. On the ash trees? Uh, <clears throat> on the ash tree and the willow, you want to strip the actual, you know, the tree bark. Tree bark actually has two layers. Okay, you're going to have your outside layer, which... And the young trees are the ones you want. You know, you want them like this big around. And uh, especially if you can find something that grew really fast, that tree bark's the best, okay? And you're going to take and you're going to scrape that green outside layer off. And then there's going to be another layer before you get to the wood. And uh, once you cut your piece, you want to go ahead and get your, your bark off. If you let it sit for a few days, it seals itself on there, and you aren't going to get it off. So plan on when you harvest your, your, your limbs, you know, your little ones. At that same time, you're going to go ahead, scrape all the green off, and then you split them, and then you can peel them right off there. And it's good to do when the sap is running, like right now. You know, if you wait till fall, then they get pretty tough to try and get it off there. Um, it's not impossible, but it's it's a lot harder. Right now, when that sap's running real good, you know you can peel those right off there pretty easy. So, so <clears throat> and then what you're going to do with that um, is you're going to coil those up, and you're going to put them in some water, and you're going to dump a bunch of wood ash in there, and then you're going to boil them for a while. Okay, so that's the way you do tree bark. That's on the DVD there as well, and uh, <clears throat> now you know we always we always call the Indians savages. You know these guys are just savages, and somehow I mean we have chemists today that figure these things out, but somehow they knew that the alkaline in the wood ash would soften that bark, so that it made it more pliable, so they could use it. Okay, and uh, there were a lot of things that they taught us. You know, when we when we got here, and uh, you know, maple syrup. We talked about that. They taught us how to do maple syrup. You know, they taught us how to grow corn. You know, maize and stuff like that. So, you know, they were really smart people. They've got all kinds of skills that I've seen that I just shake my head. You know, we didn't even touch on glue. You know that they had. They had several different kinds of glue, and uh, <clears throat> we have carbon-based glues today. Well, so today, okay, they would take the tree resin from the pine trees, you know, and they would melt that down, and they would take some coals out of their fire, and they would scrape that, make powder, put that in, you'd be surprised, all of a sudden that sets, and that is a really hard glue. And today we got chemists, and I just kind of wonder if, you know, because they've tested some of the artifacts that we found, and they figured out, oh, this is pine resin with carbon and look at the performance we get out of that and that kind of makes me wonder if that isn't how we had gotten a hold of carbon-based glues today <laughs> so anyways any other questions no, yeah. no more questions. okay 
You know, <clears throat> I have found things both ways on that one. All right, there, there is a group of plants that I have that I didn't have time to talk about yesterday. Okay, we have the poisonous ones and we have the edible ones. And then we have a group that I call non-poisonous. But they're not really edible because of their taste. Okay, and ragweed falls into that. I've heard that it's non-poisonous, but it is so bitter that it's not palatable. And so I haven't tried it yet myself, but, you know, but ragweed is one of those that um, we saw two of the docks on the screen yesterday. There's a third dock called Bitter Dock. And um, I don't see her today, but there was a lady that was in the class that had taken some eyes. We do a walk around. We ran into some Bitter Dock. And I told him, I said, this is one of those that is non-poisonous, but it lives up to its name. It's really bitter. And she says, so I can eat some? I said, well, you can, but it's... And so she grabbed it and stuff, and she goes, yeah, that is pretty bitter. <laughs> so there are some things that are non-poisonous, but you really, they're not palatable at all. So some of your, we talked about mustard, and how mustard is a, is, there's no more poisonous mustard worldwide. But some of those mustards are not edible just because you just can't stand it. So so anyways, uh, there was so much stuff that I couldn't say on the Wild Edibles presentation yesterday, but many of you got the, the DVD, and, and that's almost three hours long. And uh, the companion CD that goes with it, there's almost 700 pictures on there. I, I took pictures for two years. Uh, in order to put all that together. So so anyways, uh, you know, there's quite a bit on there that we just never could cover here. So <clears throat> any other questions? Well, have you guys learned anything this week? You know, I want to appreciate, I want to thank you guys for having me here and, uh, and my wife and uh, giving me the opportunity to share with you you know, this is my hobby, you know. and uh, But yet, my hobby is something that's going to be good for God's people. You know, in the, I mean, we're right there. I mean, you look at current events, and there's no way you, you can't say, you know, back when I was a boy, something would happen, and all of a sudden I'd hear my folks say, oh, the Lord's coming, the Lord's coming, you know. and uh, But today, it isn't one event that's happening. There's a handful of events every week that's happening, okay? And so we're right there, you know, we're, we're right there. You know, I was talking in Sabbath school class here, I think it was last, no, week before, you know, it was last week. And uh, I mentioned how, you know, Daniel's image, you know, in Daniel chapter 2, and, and we've always had the phrase, well, we're down in the toes. And <clears throat> I think we need to revamp that. No, we're up right on the edge of the toenails, okay? That's where we're at. Okay, we're right there. We're about ready to be at the end of that. So, and I'm, you know, I get, I kind of have the mixed emotions because I'm longing for the Lord to come, but yet we got a time period that we got to go through that the Lord says it's, it's going to be a little shaky. It's going to be rough. There's going to be stuff going on that we can't handle. And again, just like we started with Sunday, the Lord wants us to turn our eyes to Him. <clears throat> and get them off our own inabilities to handle that stuff, and then he'll handle the stuff for us. Okay, he wants to be our big brother, and uh, and so I'm I'm willing to let him be my big brother because I know I can't handle that stuff. Okay, we got one back here. <clears throat> He's got to turn it up yet. Uh, okay, 1969. You were in the wilderness. We were in a wilderness club. Excuse me. Next. Okay. Okay. And what I learned then, I used through, well, 30 years of pathfindering. And I taught awesome. the kids edible wild plants. And awesome. you have covered a lot more. And I haven't really pursued doing it, but I want you to know if you have learned it once, it will come back to you. The Lord will bring it back to you. Amen. Just like with Amen. the Bible. If you've read the Bible through or read on topics 
you know, and studied at it. Don't be discouraged, because God can bring that to your memory. He can. And, and he will. that's what he wants us to do, is to be informed. Amen. But if we lose it, it will come back when we need it. Yeah. So don't be discouraged. <laughs> you know, I know somewhere around 150 species of wild edibles. And uh, I tell people it's really difficult to walk across a field and not find something that you can eat. It might not be your favorite, but it's, it's almost impossible. So go out and learn your plants and stuff. So, Well, I see we got one minute, <clears throat> and that's enough time for our prayer. So let's go ahead and bow our heads. Dear Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity to have this class. And uh, there's many things that we spit out here and many things that they're going to have to learn. And, and so we ask the Holy Spirit to go with them. And, uh, and we encourage them to practice things because that's where it really becomes something that you know a lot more once you do that. So encourage them and help them to remember what we talked about. And uh, Lord, just be with us through this time that we're, we're right there. And so guide us and help us to take our fears and turn to you with them. And uh, so, Lord, thank you again. And uh, this we pray in Jesus' name. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.